Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. As we launch into this, I want to just give you a couple of books. Some of you are readers like I am. This is a book. It's called The Celebration of Discipline, The Path to Spiritual Growth. Oh, yeah, fifth through eighth graders. Fifth through eighth graders. We love you. You're going to have an amazing time where you're going, fifth through eighth grade. When I graduated from college, when I graduated from college, my youth pastor gave me this book. The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, and he wrote on the insert. This is a, that means this is like a 35, 37-year-old book. Here's what he wrote. John, as you finish the educational disciplines, you have the opportunity to learn more fully the spiritual disciplines. More, more fully the spiritual disciplines of life, which produce great freedom. The goal of discipline is freedom. The goal of obedience to Jesus and his teachings is freedom. I love you, brother, Dave Hicks. This book introduced me to the sacred rhythms of how to connect deeply with God, spiritual practices, prayer being one of them. Do yourself a favor. If you've never read this book, order it on Amazon. You can get it and and read it. If you have read it, a mentor of mine, Walt Hansen, said to me years ago, when I told him I read about 24 books a year, he goes, how many of those are rereads? I was like, rereads? None. And uh, he goes, some books are worth rereading year after year. This is one of them. So if you read this book 20 years ago, grab it, pick it back up. Richard Foster also wrote a book called Prayer, Finding Your, the, the Heart's True Home. This is another gem. It's a classic. If you Raise your hand if you're an expert in prayer. If you would say, you know, I'm an expert in prayer, raise your hand. Okay, that's right, because... Everybody that's written a book on prayer, the way they start the book, I'm not an expert in prayer. I feel like a novice. Everybody that writes a book on prayer says I'm a novice. I'm just kind of putting my toe in the water. So nobody feels like an expert at prayer. But if you want to go into the deep end of the swimming pool, this is a great, great read. It's accessible. It's an on-ramp. It'll bless you and encourage you in your walk with Christ. So That's enough for my plug. The question today is, why pray? Why pray? Why pray? Why pray? Why pray? Well, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, when you pray. He didn't say if. He said when. So there was an assumption, a presumption that the people of God pray. His followers pray. It was an expectation that I'm just assuming. So he says, when you pray. And then in um, Matthew chapter 7, just a little bit later, he said this. Matthew 7, verse 7 and following. Keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. Those who seek find, and those who knock, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread will give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. 
If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give, get, give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus, why pray? Jesus is inviting us to pray. The Son of God is saying, when you pray. And then, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, the Apostle Paul says to that church in Colossae, devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Devote. What are you devoted to? You know what it means you're devoted to your kids. You're devoted to working out. You're devoted to your diet. You're devoted to, you fill in the blank. Scripture says, the Apostle Paul, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves to connecting deeply with God, to crying out to God, to drawing near to God, to reaching out to God. So my question is, if Jesus is inviting us to pray, and the Apostle Paul is saying, be devoted, really spurring us on to pray, why don't we pray? Well, let me just start by saying we need you to pray for this church because we have a family. I got a photo for you. <clears throat> this family, the Adams family, leads us in worship every week. I love that photo. That's, our, that's the Yardley family. They lead us in worship every week. Our staff needs your prayers. I need your prayers. The Yardleys, the Shapers, our staff needs your prayers. But why don't we pray? I love this book. I gave this to my wife for Christmas, and uh, we both really, really enjoyed this book, and Jono's read it too. It's called A Praying Life by Paul Miller, Connecting with God in a Distracting World. Page 63. Why don't we pray? Listen to these words. <clears throat> the opposite of a childlike spirit, which Jesus invites his followers to be childlike to become like little children the opposite of a childlike spirit is a cynical spirit cynicism is increasingly the dominant spirit of our age personally it is my greatest struggle in prayer if i get an answer to prayer sometimes i'll think ah it would have happened anyway other times I'll try to pray, but wonder if it makes any difference. Anybody relate to that? He goes on to say cynicism and defeated weariness. Defeated weariness. I've been, how many of you have prayed for something for more than a year? Raise your hand. You go, I've been praying for this for more than a year. More than five years. Keep your hand up. You're like, I've been praying. Yeah, right? Cynicism and defeated weariness have this in common. They both question the active goodness of God on our behalf. Cynicism and defeated weariness. I'm just going to give up. I'm going to stop praying. We begin to, that, that what they have, they question the active goodness of God on our behalf. So, that's really important insight, right? Because when I read that, I went, yeah, that's so true. I'm like, oh, I would have got that anyway. Prayer didn't make a difference. Or, I'm so tired of praying 
year after year, and I feel like it's hitting the ceiling. And I know you live there. I know you do. If you're a person of prayer, it's, it's the work of the spiritual life. In fact, we're going to talk about this question. The difference, what difference does prayer make? The difference that prayer makes in our lives. Let me start by saying uh, this. God may be quiet with you, but it doesn't mean he's quit on you. God may be quiet with you. You're praying, you're like, I'm not hearing anything. God's not responding. He may be quiet with you, but that doesn't mean he's quit on you. Max Lucado, the famous author from the 80s and early 90s, I'll, I'll never forget this soundbite from Max. He said, when you can't trace the hand of God, you can still trust the heart of God. When you can't trace the hand of I can't see him working. I've been praying and praying, and I don't, there's no way, he's not hearing me. He's not doing what, I, what I'm calling and crying out for him to do. He, Max reminds us, but we can still trust the heart of God, that he's good, that even though he's quiet, it doesn't mean he's quit. He's still working. So let's just look at this, the difference prayer makes. Three little reflections. Prayer changes us. Prayer changes our friendship with God, and prayer changes the world around us. Let me start with the first one. Prayer changes us. Let me throw up a, a quote from Richard Foster. Love this quote. Prayer catapults us into the frontier of the spiritual life. To pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. Did you hear that? You want to be transformed? You want to have your life changed? You want to become a new person who loves everyone always? It begins with prayer. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. In prayer, we begin to what? Think God's thoughts after him. To desire the things he desires. To love the things he loves. Progressively, we are taught to see things from his point of view. Prayer changes me. Prayer changes you. Secondly, prayer changes our friendship, our intimacy with God. Psalm 34 says that the Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord's close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. This is language of relationship, not religion. The Lord hears. He's bending down. He hears when we cry out to him, when we're hurting, when we're brokenhearted. He is listening to us. He wants to rescue us. In James, we read, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God. How do I do that? Through prayer, through crying out to him, reaching up and saying, God, hear the cries of my heart. That's drawing near to God. And when we do that, God's not too busy for us. He's not distant, impersonal. It says he will be responsive. He will draw near to you. When you draw near to God, and some of you in here maybe have never taken that step. You've never actually reached out to God, draw, kind of come near to him and, and cried out to him. You can do that. Right here, right now, right where you are, just in the quietness of your heart, God, I'm drawing near, I'm coming near, I'm crying out. God says he will respond. He will surround you. He will draw near to you. 
And then listen to this quote, another Richard Foster quote, another gem. The heart of God, it's an open wound of love. He aches. What does he ache over? Our distance and preoccupation. He mourns. What does he mourn about or over? He mourns that we do not draw near to him. He grieves about what? That we have forgotten him because he loves us so much. He weeps over our obsession with what? With muchness and manyness. More, more, more. He longs for our presence and he's inviting you and me to come home to where we belong. His arms are stretched out wide to receive us. And the key to this coming home is prayer. Prayer. And real prayer comes not from gritting our teeth, but from falling in love. Wow. It's a shift. Some of us think of prayer as gritting our teeth. Real prayer comes not from gritting our teeth, although I would say sometimes it can be gritting our teeth. But boy, we're really in the flow of God's Spirit when we have fallen in love with our Father in heaven. And we're, we can't wait to spend time with Him. We can't wait to draw near to Him. We can't wait to be in His presence. Three, prayer changes the world around us. Doesn't just change us. Doesn't just change our relationship with God. It changes the world around us. In your program, you have a scripture. It's one of my favorites. <clears throat> I have a very dear friend, Bob Ream. He's a professor at the graduate school at UC Riverside. And Bob and I, um, we talked about this passage of scripture 20 years ago. And the impact of how our prayers make a difference in the world and how often we get weary in prayer. And whenever we text each other or he emails me, he'll often end it with holding your arms up, holding your arms up, holding your arms up. Listen to this story. The Amalekites came and they attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men, go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua, he fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Verse 11, here it is. As long as Moses' hands, as, Mo, as long as Moses held up his hands, which by the way, for Jewish people and the Israelites in that day, that was the posture of prayer. Today we might fold our hands, right? We might bow our heads and, and fold our hands. But back then, it was a posture of prayer was raising your hand. And so he goes on to say what? As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. To paraphrase that, as long as Moses was praying, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Verse 12, when Moses' hands grew tired, we were talking about the weariness of prayer. When it, you know, Moses got tired of having his hands lifted up and praying. Whenever Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, they put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Ur held 
his hands up. One on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remain steady till sunset. And Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. The battle was won. Some of you are fighting battles today. Casey alluded to it in her prayer. And the way to fight your battles is to turn to the one who can make all the difference, to make all the difference. And some of you need friends because you're, you're, you're weary of praying for that, that prodigal who's wandered away, for that marriage that just feels like it's getting worse and you're growing weary. You need friends who are going to hold you up in prayer, who are going to hold your arms up when you grow weary in prayer. So let me ask you a question. It's a risky one, but I'm going to ask you to, to risk with me this morning. If you could ask God for one miracle in your life, knowing that he would grant it, what would you ask? What would you ask? Maybe write it down. Maybe that's your, on your prayer card right now. This is your request that you're going to come and bring it to, to the front here and, and, and drop it in the, the jar, throw it on the stage. If you could ask God for one miracle in your life, knowing that he would grant your request. Some of you right now, you're timid. You're even afraid. You've lost hope. You're so weary. You're like, I, I just can't. It's, it feels vulnerable to even ask. It's like opening an open wound. Jesus said, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. I hope that you'll write something down and let, let your family, your church family, pray for you this week. But what might that be? And I just wrote down a few things. To put your marriage back together, to change something about your job, to bring home that prodigal son or daughter, to heal your body, your mind, your spirit to deliver you from an addiction that, that is crippling you. Second question, do you regularly, diligently, every single day bring it to God in prayer, trusting, trusting that he will intervene, even when he's quiet, trusting that he hasn't quit, even when you can't trace his hand, you still trust his heart that it's good, that he's listening, that he's at work, even though you can't see it. There's a story in Mark 9. You know, as parents, I have a friend who says, we're, as parents, we're as happy as our unhappiest child. When you see your child struggling, it's just, it's hard as a parent. And those of you that are parents, you know that. And in Mark 9, there's a story of a father who's, heart was aching because his son was struggling, tormented by an evil spirit. And so he encounters Jesus. And in Mark 9, verse 21, we read this. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. And he replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. This dad's desperate. This dad's feeling hopeless. It's been since he's a little boy, so this has been going on a long time, and i got to believe that this dad has been crying out to God to intervene to do something, and he hasn't had anything happen. But then he says this to Jesus, Have mercy on us and help us. 
if you can. If you can. Have mercy on us and help us. And he hedges, right? If, if you can. Verse 23. Notice Jesus' response. I wish I could hear his tone. But I think, he, I, I think, I think it's kind of a, 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 really a disbelief. Because Jesus says, what do you mean, if I can? Jesus almost feels like he's confused. What do you mean? Do you know who I am? What do you mean, if I can? What do you mean, if I can? And then Jesus says this. Anything is possible. Yeah, but what about anything is possible? Yeah, but but anything, 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 anything is possible. If a person believes, if a person will cry out in desperation, if a person will keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, and the Father, verse 24, instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. That's me. And that's you. We believe, right? But along with that belief, there is doubt. There's that weariness. There's that cynicism that sabotages our prayer life. What I want you to hear this morning is the creator of the universe, Jesus Christ. He made all things. All things were made by him and for him and through him. He is giving you permission. He is telling you, ask. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. Anything is possible if you believe. And you know what I love about this passage is Jesus doesn't reprimand him for that authentic prayer. That's called real, raw, authentic prayer. I believe, help help me overcome my unbelief. We're not pretending, faking, Oh, i got to get my act together before I pray. It's just real. You might even start your prayer, God, I don't even know if you exist, but if you do, this is what I'm crying out for. Here's where I'm asking you to, to intervene. God can. God is able. God is able. Turn to your neighbor. Just turn to him and say, God is it. Just do that. Just turn. Say it out loud. He's able. He's able. He's able. Now, some of you are going, I don't know if he is. Let me remind you. God has power over nature. When God heard the cries of his people in Egypt, he delivered them. He parted the Red Sea. When his people were hungry, they cried out to him. He dropped manna from heaven, and he caused fish and loaves to multiply. When a storm overwhelmed and threatened the disciples, they cried out to Jesus, and he calmed the storm. He also has power over circumstances. He was able to save three followers from the fiery furnace, able to save Daniel from the lion's den. What about 90-year-old Sarah who wanted to get pregnant? Are you kidding me? She got pregnant. How does that happen? God, he's able. 90 years. What was going on between those, those fertile years of, you know, 16 to 45 or whatever we are, you know? What was happening between 45 and 90? 
God was quiet, but he didn't quit on Sarah. God has power to change people's hearts. Some of you are praying for your kids that are adults now, that have wandered from faith, that have drifted away. They're the prodigal. Moses had, and he was shy, by the way, he had a speech impediment, but God is able to take someone who's shy with a speech impediment and turn him into a leader and a speaker. Discouraged Elijah decided not to quit because God met him and changed his heart. Saul became Paul. Simon became Peter. In Acts 16, God opened this wealthy woman. Her name was Lydia. It says, God opened Lydia's heart to Paul's message. God changes a person's heart. You don't. I don't. God does that. But we enter into that partnership with God and we pray for people that God would change people's hearts. He has the power to do that. Professor at Boston College, Peter Kreeft, writes this. I love this quote. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on to your hang on right now. Hang on. Here we go. I strongly suspect that if we saw all the difference, even the tiniest of our prayers make, and all the people those little prayers were destined to affect, and all the consequences those prayers down through the centuries, we would be so paralyzed with awe at the power of prayer that we would be unable that we would be unable that we would be unable to get up off our knees for the rest of our lives god is able my wife natalie sitting right here in the front row told me in the last week she said you know my grandparents and their grandparents were praying people. She goes, I believe that I'm a believer today because of the prayers of my ancestors, of a few generations removed from her. The you might not see it. You might not see it. But God says, keep on seeking. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. I'm going to show you a video. It's going to introduce all of us, to what we're going to do this week. It's 24-7 prayer. You're going to watch the video. One of the things it shows is you go to one room. Everybody goes to one room. We're not going to do that. But we're going to invite you to pray. 156 hours between 6 o'clock tonight and sunrise next Sunday morning. 156 of you, I'm asking to stretch your faith to become a person of prayer, to contend, to fight for your brothers and sisters, to fight for this community, for our world, for what's happening, to fight for your kids, to fight for our kids, to pray, to enter in, to grow your faith, to, to develop a deeper connection to God. I'm going to bet that most of us haven't prayed for an hour at one time. We're like, God, I just pray your blessing on my wife and, and, and on Shannon and Garrett and thank you for my health and, and God, what, I'm so lucky and fortunate to get to live in Montecito. I don't live in Montecito, but those that do, they're blessed. I'm, I'm grateful to live in Santa Barbara. Amen. Amen, amen. And I'm like, okay, what am I going to do for the next 59 minutes and 30 seconds, right? So this is going to stretch us. 
But we can do this together, and, and then we're going to see what God does. We're going we're to fight and contend and pray. Watch this video, and then I'll come back up. Have you ever wondered why so many people pray? Well, Albert Einstein said that there's really only two ways to live, as if nothing's a miracle or as if everything's a miracle. Either life's a fluke and we're just a bunch of highly evolved animals on a big rock lost in space, or there's a creator behind <coughs> creation, a, a God behind goodness. And if so, then connecting with him in prayer is pretty much the most mind-blowing thing you can do. Archaeologists keep digging stuff up that shows we've always prayed. People of many faiths pray daily. Even atheists admit to praying sometimes. Real prayer is a two-way conversation with the living God who loves and listens to the things we say. Jesus said, ask anything in my name and it'll be done. We have a chance to ask for peace, healing, help or whatever we need. Life matters, you matter, your choices, thoughts, prayers and actions echo in eternity. But in case you hadn't noticed, God is pretty much invisible and not always easy to hear. There are distractions, disappointments and questions that we all share. That's why 24-7 prayer does stuff to help thousands of people in hundreds of places connect with God in new ways. People are learning to pray by just praying. Why don't you take on the challenge of a 24-7 prayer room? Just gather your friends, find a place, pick a week, get creative in the space, and fill every hour of the week with a chain of prayer. Prayer vigils like these have been changing lives for 2,000 years. And today, millions are discovering that God's real. Life's a miracle. And the most powerful thing you can ever do is to pray. So let me make a couple comments, and then we're going to invite you to come and respond. We're going to ask you to come and pick a day and a time, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all the way down. There's sheets here with time slots. We need you to print your name clearly, but your email even more clearly. You can do that so it's legible because we're going to send you an email with prayer requests that you're writing and submitting. If you want it to be uh, anonymous, maybe just put your first initial as an act of faith. So... J for me. You know, I might not share my deepest, darkest secret and put J-I because you're all going to go, oh my gosh, that's Pastor John. You know, we're not trying to create a gossip uh, thing going on here. We're trying to intercede and create breakthroughs and miracles and healing and crying out to God on behalf of that. And so here's an opportunity for you to, to, to lay it out there and to say, I'm desperate for, some, for a breakthrough, for, for, for a healing, for something in your life, for a loved one. So then, let me just say this. If praying for an hour doesn't scare you, then pick a time that will stretch you. You know, most people aren't going to pick between 1 a.m. and 6 a.m. or 5 a.m., right? But I'm going to pick on those of us, well, us, I'm not us yet, those of you that are retired. You know, 
maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe you're going, you know what? I can sleep in. I'm going to get up at 3 a.m. and I'm going to pray. I'm going to just call you out. I know you're going to be mad at me because maybe some. But And how about college kids? If you don't have class tomorrow, some of you do, but if you don't, maybe, maybe, so that, that's one. Two, if praying for an hour feels way out of your comfort zone, then pick a time that feels more comfortable. This is an adventure of faith. Now, if the whole thing scares you, I want you to grab a friend and sign up together for the same time slot and maybe even meet together and say, let's meet up on the steps of the old mission at this time and, and let's, let's pray together. Let's fight together. Um, and then if you're feeling like this is pointless, then I'm going to invite you to pray the Mark 9 prayer. I believe, but help my unbelief. And still, I want you to come and sign up and, and, and wrestle with God about your faith journey. We're not going to send you a reminder because we want to keep uh, our director of communications, Julie. That would totally be way overwhelming. So, so when you sign up, don't walk out there and go, oh, geez, I forgot what I signed up for. Write it down. We need you to write it down. Um, put it in your phone with a reminder alert. And then here's what you're going to do when you come. There are cards here. Because some of you are going, well, how do you pray for an hour? We have uh, cards that are next to the sign-up sheet. And this card that uh, Pastor Jono and Casey and I put together, there are six categories to pray over for eight to ten minutes uh, during that hour of prayer. Some of you don't want this card or need it. That's fine. You're, gonna, you're, you're going, I feel confident in that. But the rest of us that feel like maybe we're novices at prayer, grab the card. Again, it's not legalistic. You don't, the goal isn't to work your way through everything and, oh, that only lasted five minutes. I got to do five, you know. That's not what this is about. This is about connecting deeply to God. We're, we're praying that as you pray for an hour that God shows up, that God meets you, that God speaks to you, that God reminds you how loved you are, and that he puts people and causes that are on his heart, on your heart, and that you'll begin to pray, fight, contend for those folks. We put a scripture in here from Paul out of Philippians chapter 1. He prays, and we, we, we laid, left a blank space that you could begin to put people you care about, their name in those blank spaces that Paul prayed. Um, anyways, I'm not gonna, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of ideas on here, but you have to step out in faith by coming down here and signing up. And you're going to walk down here, some of you are going to go, oh, crap. The hour I wanted, the day I wanted, it's gone. And I want to encourage you, don't go back to your seat. Go find a different day and go find an hour that's available. And let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let me pray for us. Lord, Jesus, Kind Father, your heart aches. You want intimacy, closeness with your children, with us. I pray that this week, this 24-7 prayer week for Ocean Hills, that we would see you in your glory, that you'd show up for people, that there would be miracles and breakthroughs and healing and hope. That, that friendships and family relationships that are strained and broken would find healing and reconciliation and forgiveness. 
where there's bodily disease, sickness, uh, people battling for their physical health, we pray for your touch. You are able. You can do it. God, for people that are far from you, that have wandered from you, that, are, that have drifted away from you, our kids, our parents, our friends, God, this week we're going to call them back. We're going to pray that you're, you'd remember them. We know you see them, that you draw them closer to yourself. We know what you did back then. When you raised Jesus from the dead, you can do that today, that you're still working, that what you've ever done before, you can still do now. So we pray that you would. I pray that you'd move in our hearts to have faith to come and say, I'll sign up for one hour this week as an act of faith to pray for my brothers and sisters, for my family, and for this world. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. When you're ready, pick your day, pick your time, and then grab a card and, th and put your prayer cards in the little buckets. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.